Welcome back. My name is Lynn Zarki. I am director of the Kidsbridge Youth Center in New Jersey. We serve thousands of children and also author of The Empathy Advantage, coaching children to be kind, respectful, and successful. And as you know, I seek the community to, to find people who are giving back. And today we have Blair Miller. Hi, Lynn. Who really gives back. I'm so excited that you took the time to be with me here today. I'm really, really happy to meet you and, and talk to you. So thank you for all that you do for the community. And we'll talk about that. So through my youth education experience, I've learned empathy is really job one. To start with self-empathy, then empathy for others, and then finally, empathy action, empathic action, being an upstander, stand up and speak out if you've heard of that. Yes. And so I would love to talk to you about what inspired you to give back in the way that you do. Tell us about what you do. So I am the founder and director of Neighbors Kindness Project. We were formerly known as Mr. Rogers Neighbors Kindness Project, um, who was a big inspiration in my life, which hopefully we can talk about. And mine too. We'll, really? we'll, okay. we'll, we'll pivot back to Mr. Rogers yes, because- such a love. Oh my goodness, yes. yes. Um, and the inspiration behind the, the start of my organization was actually my brother. So as you know, in 2020, we all were really hit with the mm -hmm. global COVID, 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 COVID pandemic. yeah. Um, I had lost my job. I was working at Prince University Art Museum and having a great time working in the arts. I studied piano performance and arts administration and I was really enjoying my time there. But because the arts were the biggest and, and first to be hit, um, because it's you know a social endeavor, people going out. So I realized, wow, I'm gonna have a lot of time on my hands and be sitting at home with my um, high energy puppy. And I was thinking I do better when I have structure, when I'm out of the house. So I wanted to start volunteering and I called up all of the homeless shelters and I realized that nobody was open. And I started thinking, what are all of these homeless people in need going to be doing and how can I help my brother has a history of addiction, mental health issues. He had been homeless for a stint of his life. Mm. So it's a cause I really care about. Um, and I just started the next day. I called a few people I knew. Everyone needed board approval. As you know, nonprofits, there's a way of doing things. Yes, and, of course. And I was just sort of a lone wolf and I just jumped in and, and made things happen and started um, realizing how can we help get people in need, what they need, products, meals, um, gifts even. And instead of relying on donations, because a lot of the local businesses were also really hit and, and struggling, I thought, how can I have people who have money? Princeton were, was a very affluent town. A lot of people do care and want to give back. How can I give them an opportunity to support local businesses? And through that avenue, also help people in need. So right now, our cycle of kindness, we call it our business model. You can go into participating neighbors' businesses. We have 35 we partner with. And you can add on a meal, a product, or a gift. 35 for businesses. 35 businesses. Who give you money to give back and. So we have actually, so someone like you, for example, Lynn, you're a very kind, uh, considerate person having just met you. Thank you. You can, you can go into, let's say, La Mezzaluna, which is one of our neighbor's businesses. It's a restaurant. Yes. And while you go there with your daughter and your son and you're having dinner, you can see on the menu it says Neighbor's Kindness Project. It wow. says a little bit about what we do and it prompts you to add on a $25 entree or an appetizer for someone in need. So you're increasing unit sell-through, you're helping the employees, the business retain their employees, wow. and then all of those paid for meals get made fresh Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the days that we're open. I've never seen that. So and somebody who goes to one of your 
participating restaurants, it would be on the menu. That's right. And it's just, it, they add it to the fair and it's like That's right. a, a so automatic we're donation. The, exactly. So we're helping the wow. business and we're helping the How community. How do you go into a restaurant? That's really confidence and ask them to participate in this program. That's a You're great, not for profit. Yeah, uh, not Almost quite, a not, not for quite. profit. Drum okay. roll. Drum roll. We're getting okay. ready. So soon. Good luck hopefully. with that. Thank you. I need the luck. Um, so I think it comes from just having a background in sales. I had my own business when I was 11 years old. It was called Get Ready for an Alliteration. It was called Blair's Bombastic Beach Beverage Business. Um, wait, wait. Blair's Bombastic. Great word. <laughs> and and Beach what? Beverage Business. And so what did you sell? I sold lemonade, iced tea, sodas. Um, and it was great because I had to sell a lot of summer reading. Um, we had so many books, I, and I love to read. I always have my nose in, in books. And my mom said, you need to be out of the house. You either need to be doing piano or you need a job. Good for so I mom. started my own business, and I made $18,000 wow. just working a few months, wow. a couple of years. I saved up, um, ended up. And so I think I just, and then I went started working at Ralph Lauren when I was in college. Same thing my mom said. Right, not very entrepreneurial. Um, and what so drew you to fashion, Ralph Lauren? That's a big switch. Why? Uh... Well, because um, I needed a job. I was going to school in Princeton, and I needed a job, and I walked in, and what it really appealed to me about the way Ralph Lauren runs their company is if you're in sales or sales management, you have your book of business, and you can run it yourself. So I was really good. I had the highest client retention rate. I had the highest um, sales in our East Coast region, and, what it, and I just loved seeing business growth, not because I was getting something out of it. Um, I mean, yes, I always like to push myself. You know, I always like to push the needle in things and grow, and I'm really interested in growing. But for me, just helping businesses expand and, and grow and clients and satisfy the needs and wants. And so now it's really rewarding because now I'm, I'm satisfying the needs and there's a really big need. It's not just, you know, how can I get a new pair of shoes for somebody or right, a pair, exactly. you know, or, or help a team develop or, you know, this and that, which was really rewarding in and of itself. But now um, we're More satisfying. Yeah. So, so I had an equal journey. I, I got an MBA. <laughs> And then I went into advertising, and it was great. You know, I had a great job. I was making good money. I was in New York City. And then I started to emotionally, I can't think of the word, maybe decline. is like I was selling dog food and wine and, and consumer goods, and I just, my heart wasn't in it. And I left there and turned, long story short, to the not-for-profit world where I was doing things to help people and educate children, and it was so much more satisfying. Yeah, that's wonderful. Most people, I, th I feel like it's the antithesis. Most people go from, you know, non-profit to for-profit because I guess they get hungry for something else. Right, but I think that's different really motivation. A wholesome, yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of like, it shows, it, it sort of shows, oops, sorry. It shows in here that you, that you really right. care about something deeper yeah um, so it's I just value a, that. and it's so rewarding to be helping others so let's walk in the shoes empathy lens through the people that you're helping I mean how do you identify who you want to help and support families kids seniors um, what epiphany did you have in this transition to say I really want to give back to others well I think I've always since the day I was born, um, I've always cared about helping other people. So I'm not really sure that was my motivating factor more than it was more sort of, as I explained, there's a need and the need isn't just um, a single dimension, it's a multi-dimensional need. 
And so I sort of had a bird's eye view and I thought, okay, the businesses are suffering, people are suffering, there's a lot of wealth. So how can, kind of like a chess game, how can I move these pieces Match around it together. and make it sure that everyone has a win, everyone has a benefit, um, everyone wow. has a piece of the pie. So I think for me, it was addressing income inequality. That was my motivating factor. That struck Because there's you. a lot of wealth and kind of inherent in our model or a cycle of kindness, as I call it. You know, we're taking people who have money and, and in so doing, people are realizing, wow, this many bags are needed at McCaffrey's, this many meals yes. are needed in Princeton, but Princeton, there's a $3 million mansion across the street from yeah. my house. There are low-income people, people in Princeton and that. Trenton and Mercer County. Let yeah. me just uh, pull back a little bit and ask you, your parents, did they contribute to this culture of giving back and caring about others, or did you just come out of the hopper this way? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's interesting because I just went to my cousin is pregnant and she's uh, she had a, a baby shower and my mom and I had kind of a long, we have a long standing, I would say, tense relationship. We're not very close. Okay. And I grew up as a, with a single mom. My dad had left when I was three. Um, my mom ended up getting married when I was 14 and then they ended up divorced. But that man, Ronnie is his name, he adopted me and I'm very close with him. Nice. Um, but so I came up in kind of a broken household mm. and my mom was working she was a teacher. Um, we had a nanny. She, she was always not really accessible and I just never really connected with my mom. Um, but I remember, but at this baby shower, my mom slipped me a note that one of my science teachers had, had written her and I'm not sure what the, why she did that, why she wanted me to read this note. Um, but it was basically saying how I was very kind and, and smart and all these things. Uh, and I think my mom just never knew how to say that. She might um, have been damaged herself. Or recognize that or, yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but through my teachers and my professors, um, I sort of realized that. And I think, if anything, this one man, the, the teacher, the science teacher who had written this letter that I still have with me, I carry it now with me wherever I go. It's a nice shot of confidence. Um, but she had thought he was very odd and she had always been very standoffish to him. And I think she said recently, she said, you know, you're the reason I became friendly with him because you never judged him. Wow. Um, so I think to answer your question sort of along about <laughs> way, I think the answer is I think I was born like that. I, I think. Right. Born yeah. kind. Well, I don't know if I'm kind. I've, I definitely have my Well, purpose, you have the I'm, kindness project, not, right? Not, not judgmental, I think. A certain, there's a certain sense of openness. That well, I if you're helping to. hundreds of others, I, I'd have to call you kind and, yeah. and, and very empathetic. So from the research that I've done in my book, I have found that people are born, kids are born with different amounts of empathy. And people think, oh, that's what you're, you know, that's what you have the rest of your life. You can increase it. So in the youth center, we do pre and post surveys for the kids who come in. We're doing empathetic empowerment oh, exercises. And so we measure a statistically significant increase in the amount of empathy. So empathy can be raised. And what so are your that, percentages, have you found? Like, well, it, statistically significant, you do these analyses that show that you're moving the needle. So later on, we can talk about percentages and such. I, not the needle for everyone, but right. for most of the kids. Well, so my message to you and to the people listening is like when you are having people of wealth and means to give back 
and help other people feels good, you are increasing their empathy. They are walking in the shoes of your clients and the people you're helping. So you are increasing empathy for adults. My my thrust, my reason, raison d'etre, is to speak to parents and educators and say, you can increase empathy for children. Starting in preschool, we need to start younger, right, to, mm -hmm. to increase the empathy quotient. Other than madmen and people who are psychotic, there, there are limits, but in 98% of our brains, you can increase empathy, and I've done it and I've measured it. So you might now, after our conversation, have empathy more you know, on your radar because self-empathy, again, people who are broken or the recent trauma from COVID, you know, abuse, anxiety, stress. So we have to be mindful of that when we're talking to people. Be active listeners mm -hmm. is a good empathetic way to listen and then to increase this empathy for others. And of course, again, action, which you're doing and living. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's the scaffold, the way we build it. So let's talk about our favorite person. So I'm a, a little bit older than you, Mr. Mm -hmm. Rogers, and I just, you know, sometimes I catch him on TV. I don't know if you saw the movie. I haven't seen the movie. Oh, you must see the movie. I don't have a movie. TV. I'm such a poor excuse All right, for a right, But you must see, Tom Hanks does a really good job. So here is this, you know, I think he was a preacher first, and then he yes. realizes there's this void and this uh, abyss where children are not, be, you know, there's not kindness projected and activities and welcoming to children and, and, you know, glued to the screens as you notice this void and how you are fulfilling the needs for so many people. So tell me why you, you know, you didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers on your television. What, how did he come to your consciousness and your inspiration? Well, I wasn't allowed to watch TV. And it's funny because I find when you grow up with strict rules, you either adhere to them or you do the opposite. You sort of break true, free. True, true. And I, I adhere I to have them. some rebellers in my family, <laughs> so I hear you. I wasn't the, the rebel. Um, I have my moments. But in any case, I, did, I was allowed to watch uh, Mr. Rogers on cable television. And I was only allowed to watch Fridays for a brief period of time. And I just, I just, I think, speaking of empathy, I think because he was a man, um, and there was something about the cardigan. He was very approachable and accessible. And I didn't really like, my brother was really into cartoons. Um, and I have such an active imagination. You know, I believed in, in, in fairies until I was way too accept, socially acceptable to, to believe in fairies. But there was something about on, t on television, I, I like a real person. I want to feel like someone's really talking to me. And I always felt like Mr. Rogers, um, I just, I just felt him, and he, you know, of course, you know, he, he was an ambassador for kindness, and I loved the whole, um, you know, idea of a neighborhood, and now, you know, I'm trying to help neighborhoods, and it's about, you know, listening and, and making space and making time to know your neighbors. I don't think we do that in today's world anymore, and actually, speaking of, um, Speaking of the neighborhood, one of our neighbor's businesses is McCaffrey's. It's a family-owned business, everyone yes. knows. And they're, they're wonderful. They employ children with disabilities. There's this one man, I'm not sure how old he is, but his name is Frankie, and he's, he's a really, really wonderful person. And every time he sees me come in the early mornings to do my shifts or in the evenings to do shifts um, to prepare these bags of products that we, that we uh, have people buy to help their business but also our people in need, uh, he says, Mrs. Rogers, 
Oh, <laughs> he calls me so from cute. across the. He calls me from across the whole parking Mrs. lot. Mrs. Rogers, that's and, adorable. And I, I don't have the heart to tell him. No, that no, I'm it's not okay. Married. And I'm sure Mr. Rogers' wife in heaven is rolling in her grave, thinking like, "Who is no, this no, woman?" No, no, that's so sweet and <laughs> um, so simple. I mean, yeah. the whole identity in Cosmos has been, you know, centered yeah. in you. That's so sweet. So, so I really, I really am. And he said, you know, he always says, he always laments. He said, you know, Blair, they don't make TV like that anymore. And like you, you're such an inspiration to me. But, you know, I think one day I'd like to have my own show where sort of like a Mr. Rogers, but I was toying with the idea of calling it Miss Blair's Orchestra Fair, where you're teaching kids how to be kind. Um, yeah, we so need that today. Is so, so, you know, so two things. Number one, book, yeah. well, and, and I have a chapter on media because it's so disconcerting to me. I mean, I, you know, social media was invading my house when my kids were in middle school and I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how to take control of it. And I had a conversation actually yesterday. So two things, the TV, and the internet um, <clears throat> to watch it with your kids, have discussion with your kids and significant other, because turning it off doesn't stop kids you know, from watching and interacting. And then social media, what we try and teach in the center is that kids should not be mean and be bullying. It's permanent forever and that um, the consequences of being mean and, and passing on exclusion, kids feeling isolated, kids not belonging, that we need to teach kids the impact of what they're doing to be kind online. And so that's a whole nother set of skills. But like, I love your idea of a, a show. I mean, Ms. they should put Mr. Rogers back on TV, but I think, you know, there's a lot of cartoons and, there, and it's more diversity is coming and the values, but there seems to be like a point in time where the, the, the programming for kids, which is nice and kindness and respectful, stops and then you're just getting into meanness and exclusion, reality shows and mean girls and it's very upsetting to me. I think parents need to be more engaged and, and more involved. I saw that in your book and some of the questions parents, you sort of Talk, talk, uh, listen, you, and, and I talk. Think, I think the question, I don't know if you agree, Lynn, but I think the question becomes, you know, I don't have kids. I, I don't think that's the right path for me. I'm not really sure. I do love children, love being around children. Well, you're, you're helping a lot of children, aren't you? I, yes, and some of them are, are volunteers, which is Wow. Really, you have really, teenagers volunteering? Oh, all ages. Eight to... And yeah. how do you find these people? You're everywhere. They come to us, I guess, and I just... And uh, they're delivering packages of food? They do everything. They have ideas. Assemble. They have strategy. They go into the businesses. Yeah. Some of them, they prepare the packages. Are you serving Princeton only Princeton, or Mercer County? Um, I, I, Princeton, predominantly. Princeton now. Yeah. Princeton now, and then? I want to expand to D.C. There you go. Plan, New York, other places. Don't forget Trenton, please. Yes. Trenton, you. Lawrence. Yes, yes. Hamilton. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But but I think I, I think parents can. I, I know you talk about this in your book, and it's something you th you think about often. For me, it's not just small talk. I think it's important, you know, to be able to have small talk, so to speak. But right. I think the questions that you ask children isn't just like, how's your day today? It's really, you know, how are you feeling? How, you know, kind of tapping into the emotions and letting right. kids process that and work right. through it. Active listening. And, and rule number listening. one is put down your phone. Yeah, I'm. Right? 
put yes. down those phones because kids have too much media today. And then the research is saying not enough face-to-face, -face, which right. we're doing now, active listening. We're listening to one another that the kids feel appreciated. I have one story where I walked into um, a restaurant and I saw father and son having lunch. I know the father travels a lot and he's very busy. And so they're both on their phones. I was so crestfallen because like, no, this is not how you do it. You have like a half an hour for lunch, please. Just they were, and it was so sad to me and it's sort of symbolic of parents pay right. attention. Kids grow up so quickly. Same thing with, um, you know, your friends, you know, yeah. less, less phone time, less media. I think I'm the opposite extreme. Um, and I think I, unintentionally hurt people and I don't mean to but I call it hibernation which is sort of a bad Say pun. again? Hibernation. So okay. hibernation because I love bear you're Blair. And Blair okay. and Bear and you're Blair. I like a good pun. Okay. Um, but in any case I just sometimes I just um, I do so much and I work so much and I'm so in tune with everybody else's needs and and I don't know how to recalibrate. I don't have that healthy balance of what do other need what do others need? What do I need? And sometimes the only way I know to recalibrate or if the news makes me feel like, you know, not to get political, but if all of a sudden something's happening and I'm a big, you know, non-proponent of that and I want to go and advocate and it's sort of like I've got to work, I've got to advocate and I just feel called to action constantly because I'm such a doer and I want to do 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 and go go go. And sometimes the only way I know to recalibrate is just to shut off social media, shut off the phone. Healthy, off. very healthy. Is it though? I'm not sure. We, well, we I need mean, you to write I a new book on that. <laughs> watch all the news. I have to fast yeah. forward through some things because I take it to bed with me. I mean, I yeah. see the bombing in Kharkiv, Ukraine, right. and this show is over, but it stays with me. It, so I think right. back to self-empathy, self-compassion, you could only take so much in, and, and for our listeners, you know, you, you have to take care of yourself right. so that you can help others, right? Right, but how so, can that whole oxygen mask, you know, you have to put it on yourself first, but amen. how do we do that? Very like what's good. The time, what's the timing of that? Yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you a question because you're doing so much for others and you, you intend to grow and help and give back and it may be, now, now it's food, there may be other ways that you reach out to people. For people listening, parents, teachers, single people like how can we get them to help others because like other people will do that or like i can't do that i have to take care of myself but just one little thing once a week or once a month for others how can we inspire other people to have empathy and take action what what would you suggest I think that's a great question. I don't think I'm powerful enough to know the answer and what would work for everybody. I can I can suggest that I think listening uh, to tie into your work is the most important thing. I think, you know, you said Trenton, you said Needs in Princeton. I think there are so many organizations, wonderful organizations, and they do a lot of similar things. Um, but what do the people want? I don't think a lot of organizations really ask the question um, and hear the answer. What do people need and what want? Do, what do people need and want? Right, by and listening, so, not, not by presuming. By listening and not presuming. Right, right. And I think that, you know, I survey every day. I sometimes, it gets too overwhelming, and I tell people, the, uh, the complaint department is closed today, friends. <laughs> and I'll say it in Spanish, too, um, and they laugh. But, you know, and the reason they're so vocal is not because they're complaining. Effectively, it's because they know I'm listening and I'm making a difference. And sometimes they don't like lining up, so they want 
tickets and they want to wait in their cars. So I make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they'll say we want two products and we don't need this sort of category. And I rearrange it and I make it happen. And I think that that, I think listening and, and just kind of going up to your neighbor and, and knocking on the door and saying, you know, I'm Blair and I'm new and um, I'm new to the neighborhood and is there anything I can do for you? You know, back then, you know, years and years ago, if someone needed a pound of sugar, they'd knock on your door or a couple, you know, uh, paper yeah, towels. We're, we're losing that sense of community. And I think when you yeah. have, when you welcome that sense of community yeah. through kindness, then suddenly, and you do listen and you do have empathy, suddenly you, you have all these answers. You know how to help. And maybe it's as simple as, you know, knowing that there is a need. Maybe it's as simple as asking someone a question. Maybe it's as simple as checking in on or up on someone. But to do a little shameless plug here, if someone does want to help, yes, of course, the Neighbors Kindness Project, you can go to our participating businesses and add on meals products. And what and is your website? Uh, MrRogersNeighbors.com. It's Mr. Rogers uh, embarrassingly Neighbors. out of date, so find us on Instagram instead. Okay. Which is Neighbors Kindness Project. Okay. Um, and we have tons of ways that people can help, but not everyone wants to help in our well, ways. Well, they can just so. do one little thing, and I yeah. think that you know. For some people, maybe just writing a check or signing a petition online or helping you or, yes. I mean, there's thousands of things you can do and it, it really makes people feel good. I do yes. also want to share that, you know, I'm doing also volunteer work in addition to uh, KidsBridge and I'm, of course, writing another book. But what I love about my volunteer work is that you're surrounding yourself with the nicest people. Yes. These are people who care about others. Right? These are people who are having empathic action. They don't have to have the most confidence in the world or have all the skills. And this right. is something we teach at KidsBridge. Everyone, you don't have to be good at everything, right? You're good at something. Everybody has a strength and then people should start with that. But I just love the people and I'm sure the people who gravitate to you, they want to help and give back. These are the people you want to surround yourself oh, with, yes? Oh, we have a family. I mean, we know each other's birthdays and we really- That's lovely. Yeah, it's we, your family. It is a family. Yeah. Yeah. How many people are, are helping you? We've had over 40 um, people wow. come and go and come and go during COVID. Everyone was from home, so we had a big group of people. Then kids went back to college, and they sent me their graduation pictures. And um, No, I love everybody I work with. I well, really do have love congratulations on your success. I, I was so glad that Chuck introduced us and to learn yes. of what you're doing. It really, people are in need even more so oh, because of COVID. Oh, that's one thing I'd like to say, yes. Yeah. The need is only getting worse. I think uh, right now that people think COVID's gone because people aren't wearing their masks anymore and it's, it feels like it's over, we want it to be over, but, but the aftermath, the financial aftermath is going to be here for a very, very Sadly, long time. Sadly, yes. Well, thank you for so, what you do, your empathy, you. your empathic action, a busy thank person. So, so I'm glad you made the time today to inspire our listeners. And so that's all for today. Thank you for visiting us. This is Lynn Ozarki signing off, Empathy in Action. Just do one little thing to help others and check out my book for parents and teachers coaching children to be kind, respectful, and successful. Thanks, and stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Bye-bye. Be well.